0: Good morning. Um, I would love to share our two readings with you today. Our first one comes to us from Exodus 20, verses 8 through 11. And this is what it says. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to our Lord, our God. And on that day, no one in your household may do work. This includes your sons and your daughters, your female and your male servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living amongst you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Our second reading is in Deuteronomy 5, verses 12 through 15. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest dedicated to our Lord your God. And on the day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons, your daughters your male and female servants your oxen and your donkey and other livestock and any foreigners living among you all your male and female servants must rest as you do remember that you were once slaves in egypt but the lord your god brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm that is why the lord your god has commanded you to rest on this sabbath day This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Chris. Morning, everyone. Welcome to Trinity Green Trails. I add my welcome to Erica's and everyone else's. Uh, My name's Tony Diekman. I'm the site pastor here. And we conclude a series, if you're here with us for the first time, uh, this morning that we've titled The Gospel at Work, where we have been looking at God's view of our work. And this morning we're going to take another view of that, this morning from God's Word, but just sort of refresh. The first week, we looked at what God's Word teaches us, that in the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve work to do before sin entered the world. Work was not a curse. Work was, was a blessing. It was an opportunity for Adam and Eve, the creation, to actually partner with God, to steward this world on his behalf, actually to join God in his work and taking care of this planet. But then we learned in week two that the problem with that work is that it got interrupted by sin and so the work that God gave us to do was ended up being less than what he originally intended it to be because sin entering the world impacts us impacts the creation we can see that work can be more than it is we have a picture inside that says yeah work could be much bigger and we have this desire within us but because of the sin in the world and in us we just don't have the ability for work to be the way God originally intended it. Not only don't we have the ability, but this environment around us works against us. It can wipe away everything we work for in just a couple of hours. And so sin entering the world makes work less than it is. And we said it makes it fruitless because we can see it, but we just can't do it. But then in week three, we saw that Jesus comes and actually does the work that we can't do. He pays the price for sin, and because he does, that he did the work that no one else could do, that now work that he's given us could be a calling. God has called us to work, and our work then has meaning. It has a purpose. God uses our work to take care of ourselves, to meet our needs, our needs of our family, but also our work is a calling to love our neighbor. Our work helps God provide for our neighbor and for the world. And so our work is a calling. And last week, Pastor Mark was here and reminded us that Jesus is our compass. It's to him that we work. Remember from Colossians, it says, you don't work for your master when their eyes on you. No, you work as though you're working for the Lord. You're working for Jesus. He's your compass. He's the reason that you work. It's to him that you work. And he is your only audience. And so this week, we want to take a look at another aspect of work, kind of the opposite of work. We want to look at this idea of rest, because just as we, I believe, have gotten this idea of work turned upside down and sideways, I believe we also have a warped, a a wrong perspective of this idea of rest, what it means to rest, and how do we experience rest. And if you look in our culture today, some would say, you'll rest when you're dead, you don't need to rest now, right? Maybe you've heard that from your dad or maybe from a well-meaning grandfather or uncle, right? But rest is something that God has woven into the fabric of life, and so we want to look and see what God's Word has to say this morning about this idea of rest and the importance of rest to work in this relationship and what that means for our lives. Before we do that, I'd ask if you would, would you bow your heads and pray with me as we begin? Father God, we gather this morning in the name of Jesus and we acknowledge that we are able to call you Father, to see you as Father because of Jesus, because he has made it possible for us to be in a relationship with you, for you to be in our presence as you promise to be this morning. We thank you for your presence here. We ask that in this time you would instruct us, that you would shape us, that you would remind us of the glory of the Lord, that you would remind us of the weight of your words. Father, we ask you now, by the power of your Spirit, that you would mold us and shape us more into the image of your Son. For his sake we pray. Amen. Well, you know, it was in the Industrial Revolution that work really changed. You know, at the advent of machinery and factories grew up and The work became easier but then harder because factories grew up and they needed more workers to produce the factory goods and to produce the work. And so it wasn't uncommon during the Industrial Revolution for people to work 10 and 16 hour days, not just five days a week, but seven, six days a week, people worked endless hours to meet the demands. And it wasn't until about the middle of the 19th century that That started to change. Up until that time, only the richest, only the most privileged of people could take a vacation, could actually take time off from their jobs. It was a sign of privilege if you could take two weeks or a week or a day or two days and go somewhere and relax because it was only the wealthiest that could afford it. But that changed around the turn of the 20th century. There was this factory in New England. It was a mill And they employed both Jewish and Christian workers, and in this factory there was a problem because the Jewish workers observed the Sabbath on a Saturday, and so they wouldn't work on Saturdays. They would come in on Sundays and do the work that they missed out doing on Saturdays. Well, that angered the Christian workers because they're working on Sunday, their Sabbath, and that just doesn't work. And so there was this disagreement, and so the factory in New England said, okay, here's the deal. We're just going to take two days off on the weekend." And we're just going to work five days. And it spread. And more factories started adopting a two-day weekend, something that was unheard of. The interesting thing is, about 1910, President Taft, he put forth some legislation. He said, well, you know, that even better than that, every worker should have two or three months off a year. Well, you could, you could say, that didn't fly, right? Yeah, yeah that's not going to happen. But it was about 1926, that this man, Henry Ford, developed the process for making automobiles, an automated process, and, but he realized something. He realized that in order for his workers, in order for the public to actually have time or the desire to buy his cars, they needed the time to do that. Because up until this point, all they did on the weekends, all they did in the evenings was sleep and catch up on their rest because they're working still 10 and 16 hour days. And Henry Ford had the idea, he goes, guess what? If they only work 40 hours a week, we'll pay them the same. If they only work 40 hours a week, guess what they'll do with their time? They'll shop and they'll buy my cars. And what was birth? The vacation industry. And so you see how it starts to change in this view of rest and There's a symbiotic relationship between work and rest, and it's not just an economic one, right? Because we see within ourselves this need to rest. We just can't keep going and going and going. You cannot just wait till you're dead to rest. And so we have this thought in the United States, and we see it progress throughout the years, that maybe we need to rest more. And maybe rather than a five-day work week, we need a four-day work week and three days off every week. I'm not saying that's bad or good, but that's where, the, that's where it's gone. But now, in this current culture, the youngest generations are buying into this lie that that's not necessary. You just need to work and work and work, and you need to hustle all the time, and a 130-hour work week is not impossible if you're strategic, if you remember. And so they buy into the lie that rest is for the weak, work is for the strong. And it's there that you find your identity. But here's what we find. It's not the quantity of days that you spend away. It's the quality of the days that make the difference. We've bought into this notion that if we could just get away, right, if we could find that elusive beast, that two-week vacation, if we could find a way to just get two weeks away, I could come back rejuvenated. I could come back rested. Man, I would be ready to work again. How many times have you done that, come back and on Wednesday wish you were back on vacation? Or come back and said, I need a vacation from my vacation. Because simple time away, the number of days doesn't give us the rest that we need. This deep soul rest, the rest that actually produces a reservoir within us that truly does rejuvenate us, restore us, and renew us. It doesn't just come from not working. We can't just keep working. We know that we have to sleep, and so we have to stop working, but it's not just time away from the job. It's not just not working that gives us rest. There's this picture that we get in Scripture of God giving us this deep soul rest that we were actually created to experience. That we were created to observe. And it's called the Sabbath. We heard it read from the scripture just a few minutes ago that God instituted the Sabbath when he gave the laws to the children of Israel. And he gave them the Sabbath for their benefit. So that they could actually experience true, deep soul rest. Rest, a rest that does rejuvenate, restore you to a right perspective, and renew the passion for work within you. That only comes from this deep Sabbath rest. I want to make clear what Sabbath rest is not. Sabbath rest is not sleeping during the message on a Sunday, that's not Sabbath rest. Sabbath rest isn't just an hour on Sunday. Sabbath rest is something much deeper, something much more than that. Let's turn to that reading in Exodus that we saw, just or we heard, read just a little bit ago. Moses is telling the children of Israel as they've come to Mount Sinai. He's gone up the mountain, he's come down, he's giving them the Lord's commandments. And this one is the third one that he gives them. Remember the Sabbath day and keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor. You will work. Work is good. Work is something that God has given you to do. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. The seventh day is a day of rest. And then he ties it to the creation. He goes back to Genesis and says, remember how the Lord worked for six days. And at the end of those six days, he rested. And that's what Moses says, for six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. And on that end of that sixth day, God looked back at everything that he has created And he says, this is good. There was joy and satisfaction in looking at his work. But then he took a day to rest. And he says through Moses to the children of Israel, you too must find time to rest. In fact, I will give you that day to rest, a day to the Lord, a day to spend time with me. And he ties it back to creation and says, You were created to rest. You were created in the image of your God. You were created to work. Work is a blessing, but so is rest. You were created to rest. There's this symbiotic relationship we see in the way we were created. And Moses is telling us that that's natural. It's natural that we would work hard, work with excellence, but we would also rest hard. Rest passionately. Because that's what we need. It's the way we were created. And when we sort of err on one side or the other, we're violating God's laws of creation. When we value rest too little, we violate God's laws of creation. When we rest too much, we violate God's laws of work. And we get things out of balance. Don't we experience that now? We saw in the studies that 94% 94% of the youngest generation working generation amongst us are anxious and depressed when they think about sun, when they think about Monday morning. The vast majority of the working population in America is anxious about Monday morning. And I would argue that it's because we've forgotten why we were, how we were created. We were created to rest, rest in the Lord. I also chose that other reading from the book of Deuteronomy. This is 40 years after Mount Sinai. This is after they've wandered in the desert. And now there's this whole new generation that's raised up, and they're the ones going into the promised land. And Moses tells them again the law of the Lord. And here Moses reminds them of this commandment of observing the Sabbath. When you go into the land, you are still to observe the Sabbath, even though you're going into a land filled with milk and honey and everything you need you will still need to rest. He advises them, says, when you go into that land and you get all these things, do not forget the Lord your God, that he is the one that brought you up out of Egypt. He is the one that rescued you. And now you see the difference between this command and the last one that Moses tells them? This one is, do not forget, it is the Lord your God that brought you up out of Egypt. Moses is saying, a Sabbath is a time to remember that you were once slaves But you are no longer. You are free. You have been set free from the tyranny of the Egyptian people. You are still to work, but you no longer have to work seven days a week. You work six days a week. The Lord your God will provide for you. You can rest in his provision. Take a day of Sabbath to be reminded of what God has done for you. Not just how he's created you. But what he's done for you, the remarkable thing is, the fact that we have seven days, the fact that we have a week, is a reminder that we have a God who's created everything. The fact that we have six days to work and a day of rest is because God has created it so. Not just the physical universe that we see But the properties, the laws that we have described That we see, God created them as well And in that pattern is a pattern of work and rest Working passionately but resting in the Lord Taking time to remember that this is why we were created And that we have a creator God And that everything that I have is from him The air that I breathe, the day that I live in, is from him. And he is the one that has rescued me from slavery. Now, we haven't been rescued from the Egyptians, but we have been rescued from the slavery to sin, to serve the sin. In her book, Creed and Chaos, Dorothy Sayers says this work of, she calls it the work under the work that we tend to buy into, that work under the work, the way she describes it is, The work under the work is you work to get your identity. You work to communicate your purpose and your meaningfulness. Where you work, how much money you make, where you live, what you drive, what you wear, all of that is the work under the work that you use to communicate to everybody your purpose. Not only to everybody else, but to yourself. To prove to yourself that you have meaning, to prove to yourself that you have worth, to prove to everyone else that you are worthy. But not only in the work, we do that in our rest, do we not? Where we vacation? How long we vacation? With whom we vacation? Love Facebook, because now I get to tell everybody about me. Now, I'm not saying Facebook is bad, but When we try to serve the work under the work, we try to serve ourselves by promoting ourselves and by finding our identity in the work. That's the work under the work. And a day of Sabbath is to remember that God is the one that has done the work under the work. God is the one that has paid the price for sin. God is the one that has rescued us from that need to find our identity in anything else but him. And we can rest knowing that Jesus has done that work. We don't have to work to find our identity. We don't have to work or rest to prove to anyone that our life has meaning, that our life has purpose. We can point to Jesus and say it's because of him that our life has purpose, that my life has meaning. Because he gave his life for me. That's why I have meaning. That's why I have purpose. And because he has given me that and told me that no one can take that from me, I can rest from that work. I don't need to prove anything by my work. I can just do the work, knowing that my work is a calling, and I can do it hard, and I can do it with excellence because I'm serving him, and I'm helping love my neighbor. But I can also take time away and take a day of Sabbath and to be reminded, because we are forgetful people, that we were created to rest, we were created to work, that it is God that has done the work under the work. And when we take time away from our work, away from the distractions, we can spend time with him. But again, we're forgetful people. The Sabbath was to be a gift to the children of Israel. But they turned it around. And they made it a curse rather than a blessing. One day Jesus is walking with his disciples in the view of the Pharisees on the Sabbath. And his disciples and him are walking through grain fields. And his disciples reach over to the grain and they start popping grain off the the stalk and eating it. And in the eyes of the Pharisees, that's just something you don't do on the Sabbath. That's work. We were commanded not to work on the Sabbath. And so they come up to Jesus and they say, what the heck, Jesus? It's like, your guys don't know the law? You haven't taught them the law? What kind of teacher are you that doesn't teach your students the law? It is unlawful for you to work on the Sabbath. And Jesus turns to them and he says to this, as recorded in uh, Matthew chapter 12, he says, haven't you read that David what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, the tabernacle, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do. Only the priests could do that. And then he said, "Oh, I lost my place." Or haven't you heard or haven't you read in the law that the priests, the priests themselves on the Sabbath day in the temple Desecrated the Sabbath, and yet are innocent. I tell you that one greater than the temple is here. If you had not known what these if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. What's Jesus saying to these people? What's he saying to the Pharisees? He's saying you missed it. You missed it. You turned what was meant to be a blessing to the people, to you, and you've turned it into this horrendous obligation. You've turned it into a curse. Do you not remember the tabernacle? Do you not remember David and his men? They went into the tabernacle and ate the bread, something they weren't supposed to do, but they were not condemned. And then he takes it to the temple time, and he says, Do you not know that the priests themselves were commanded to make bread? Sacrifices on the Sabbath. The law itself commanded the priests to work on the Sabbath. And yet they were innocent. And then he says, something greater than the temple is here. The blessing of the Sabbath was about presence. It was about being present with God, and God being present with his people, void of the distraction of work and striving. It was a blessing for the people to just trust and relax and rest in God and know that he provides. It's to be reminded that everything we have is from his hand, and to stop working and to just rest, and to experience the presence of God. But you have turned it, he says to these men, into something perverted. You think you can find your identity in observing the Sabbath. Perfect attendance in Sunday school. Never missed a Sabbath. Never did a day's work on the Sabbath. Never did a minute's work on the Sabbath. We find our identity in how well we observe the Sabbath. Sabbath. And that's what he's saying to these men. He's like, you've got it all backwards. It's not about what you can't do. It's about what you get to do. He goes on and tells us something in Mark's recording of the same story. Mark shares with us that Jesus says to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God did not create you so that you could observe the Sabbath. God created the Sabbath for you to experience Rest. The Sabbath was created for you, not you for the Sabbath. The Sabbath is meant to be a blessing to God's people, to the world, to be reminded that God is the one that's created everything. And it's in Him that rest that we seek, that renewal that we seek, that rejuvenation that we seek. We long to have that passion for our work because we're told we should comes only from him. As we spend time in his presence, allowing him to minister to us, allowing him to do the work that only he can do, and that is restore us, to give us this deep well of rest, soul rest. Still today, I think we get it wrong. Right, We argue, it's like, well, is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? And they were having this argument when, in Paul's day. Because the Jewish leaders were still around, these Jewish Christians came around and said, no, 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 you've got to eat this way, you can't eat this, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to remember all the holidays, and the Sabbath is a Saturday. Don't let them lie to you, the Sabbath is a Saturday. And Paul saying, no, you're missing it. Jesus is with you. The Spirit lives in you. He is always with you. And it's not because you observe these things. It's because Jesus has done the work under the work. Because he has claimed you as his own. Observing these doesn't change that. But that doesn't mean there isn't wisdom in a Sabbath. Remember, we were created to rest. God created the Sabbath for us, for our benefit, not for his. But for us, to actually experience rest, to actually pull back from our work, to look at our work as God looked at his, and be glad. And to marvel at what has God accomplished through us. We can find joy in our work. We can agonize over work. But we can also rest with a proper perspective of work, allowing him to renew our perspective and to restore within us this passion for work, the work that he's given us to do to serve our neighbor, provide for our families, and to rest, truly rest in him. Because that rest under the rest is only found in him. Resting from striving to find your meaning, knowing that Jesus has given you meaning. That's why Paul says it's in him, it's in Jesus, that we live and we move and find our being. It's in him where we rest. It's in him that we can sit back and rejoice in what God has done, being reminded because we're forgetful. All it takes is 20 minutes. To forget what we heard. We need to seek time to rest. That's why Jesus says this Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Jesus says, I know that you're weary, I know that you're tired, and I know that you need rest. You've bought into this lie that your work defines you. That burden is way too heavy for you to carry and that you don't need rest or you need more sleep. Jesus is saying only he can provide that true rest that you need for your soul. His burden is light because he's already done the work. He's your audience. He doesn't demand perfect work from you for you to be loved. doesn't change that. Take my yoke upon you. Rest in me. Work for me. And see if my words aren't true. See if you will not find rest for your souls. I want to challenge all of you to really consider taking a Sabbath. Whether that be Saturday or Sunday or Wednesday or Thursday Take a day, every week, and Sabbath. Distance yourself from your work. Spend time with the Lord. That doesn't mean sitting in a dark place by, your day, by yourself all day for 24 hours. But distance yourself from your work. Spend time with your family. Rejoice at what God has provided for you. You cannot make up in two weeks what you didn't do in a whole year. You can't think that a two-week vacation or a three-week vacation or a four-week vacation will make up for not, doing, not observing the Sabbath all year. You're lying to yourself. The same way you say, well, I'll spend these two weeks with my kids, and that'll make up for the 50 weeks I didn't spend with them. It just doesn't work. The Sabbath is something God has given you that you can do every week, but you have to be Intentional. Are you tired? Are you weary? Are you anxious on Sundays? Do you dread Mondays? God's word reminds us that our work is a calling, but he reminds us that if we don't take time to rest in him, if we don't take time to remember that's why we were created, that this Sabbath was created for us to actually rest in, to be reminded about who God is and actually who's in charge and who's provided everything that I have, you can expect anxiety and stress. But if you're weary and you're tired and you're searching, Jesus says, Come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider how you could observe a Sabbath, how you could get permission to observe a Sabbath, to allow Jesus to renew you, to restore you, and to rejuvenate you. Pray that you will consider that. You will take that step and Sabbath. Would you pray with me?